Well, good morning, everybody. I have to wait for Larissa to go that way because she has a cord. You've got to walk over there. Okay, here we go. Welcome, everyone. Uh, if we've not met, my name is David. I serve as a senior pastor here. We're grateful uh, for those who are here in person, uh, those who are joining us uh, online. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to encourage you to open that to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. If you did not bring your Bible with you, hope you'll do so next week. If you don't have one, we would love to give you one as uh, our gift to you. Uh, you can shoot me an email to let me know of that need. You can also stop by our Connecting Point if you're here in person and they have those available for you. And again, we'd love to bless you uh, in that particular way. Uh, we are going to begin a new emphasis today, but I, I want to start start uh, by just sharing with you a few words of celebration, some things that uh, I hope you already know about who you are, certainly things that I know about who you are, but uh, it's always good to see expressions of uh, our, our identity together as we think about our church. So one of the things that we celebrate and uh, we value is that we are a four-generation church. And I want to show you a few expressions of that. Uh, go ahead and put that first picture up. Um, this, is, uh, this is Gil Ritchie. And uh, Gil, he would not be offended by me saying this. At least I don't think he will be. Uh, Gil did not just turn 50, okay? So uh, yeah, that may be confusing. But uh, just a few weeks ago, our choir celebrated that Gil has been singing in our choir for 50 years. 50 years. So that's one expression of what it means to be a, a, a four-generation church, and we celebrate Gil's faithfulness, the way he's blessed our church in, in, in multiple ways. Uh, the other expression of that is, is something that was released on Friday, I think was the official date. Uh, it's Dylan Larissa's uh, album, Becoming. Uh, this is a live recording, and so for some of you, this is your first album. Uh, to, to be released because you were, you were a part of this. We did this in August uh, and this is available for you today. Uh, if you want to pick up a CD, uh, those are in the back and you can, you can get one of those. Uh, I'll just tell you, you know, some of you, you may think, well, I don't even have a CD player, but my daughter got a record player for, for Christmas and her favorite thing were the records that she got. So who knows, you know, this, you, this may come back, but uh, this is also a way that you can invest in their ministry. And so I hope that you'll, you'll pick one of these up. They'll be back there. I didn't tell you this, but you're gonna be back there to sign, sign them, right? Yes. You're gonna need to find a Sharpie. Don't know this. Yes. Uh, and, and then one more, uh, one more expression of that is, as you think about uh, these two wonderful leaders that we have, uh, let, me, let me share with you one of my favorite pictures from Christmas Eve. There's lots of things that are wonderful uh, about Christmas Eve. Go ahead and go to that next picture. But this was a new, uh, a new part of my Christmas Eve experience. Of course, we're here almost uh, the entire day on Christmas Eve, but this is the Peacock Boys. This is Dylan Larissa's sons. And we talk about that they've been here since they were babies. They weren't quite this young when they first started, uh, uh, <laughs> first uh, became a part of our church. But I will say Dylan, uh, when he came here, he couldn't grow that beard that he has. Uh, but uh, this, uh, this is another expression of what it means to be a four-generation church. And so we, in between services, I got to play with the boys and chase them around. And uh, one other expression is that's as far over as I can bend. Uh, now, I guess. Uh, but uh, again, this is the life that we share together. And, and I am so grateful for it. I hope that you are as well. The other thing I want to celebrate is that you are a church of tremendous generosity. 
So if you don't know, we give away our Christmas Eve offering every year to a ministry called Zoe Ministry, empowering orphans all around the world to never need charity again. Been doing that for about 10 years, and you may, if you were here on Christmas Eve, you may have heard me say uh, that that was a pretty significant decision 10 years ago to say we're going to give away our entire Christmas Eve offering. For many churches, Christmas Eve, the offering that they receive on Christmas Eve is what helps them finish the year well. And I can say that this was a bold and courageous move because I didn't make that decision. That was my predecessor. Uh, but here's what's happened over the course of, of years as, as we have dedicated to giving that away Not only has the offering we've received on Christmas Eve uh, continually increased, but also the offering received towards the ongoing mission and ministry of our church has also increased. So if you ever wonder if God honors generosity, I can tell you that over the course of 10 years, I've seen that in the life of our church. This year, you set a new record. You raised $160,000 for Zoe ministry through our Christmas Eve offering. That is, a, that, that is a, that's a stunning number, and alongside that, again, God honors generosity, whether it's in, a, uh, in the life of a church or in your life, uh, you also set a record in your giving to the ongoing mission and ministry of our church, which is significant, because it helps us enter into a new year uh, well. If you don't know, we do pay for electricity. I mean, they don't just give it to us for free. There's lots of things that we do, and, and your generosity is what makes that happen. And then finally, as you've already heard, today is the grand opening for our gym. Uh, which is the culmination of our our capital campaign and all the work that we were doing. We started that work in the spring of 2020. I don't know if you remember what was happening in the spring of 2020, but it was not the the best time to enter into that work. We We had a church family that had made commitments, Uh, financial commitments to do that work. And the question was, are we going to be able to do any of that work? And over the course of these recent years, we've not only done the work that we had intended to do, but we're now finished with it and we didn't borrow a dime to get that work done because of your generosity. So again, I just want to celebrate those two things and thank you for the church that I know you are, but I appreciate, I hope that you do as well, I appreciate the reminders uh, of who you are and that's why I wanted to share those with you. So today we're beginning a new, uh, it's a five-week emphasis and we're going to be focusing on one of the historic prayers of the early Methodist movement known as the Wesley Covenant Prayer. At the beginning of a brand new year, uh, each of those years, the early Methodists would gather for a special service that was centered around this particular prayer. And the whole idea was to renew their commitment to live in covenant community with one another together pursuing a life of holiness and righteousness. And again, it's the way in which they began each and every year. And and so our our thought was we want to do that as well as we enter into this new year. We want to enter in with that spirit, with that idea, with this prayer at the center of all that we're doing. But for a few reasons, we thought, well, that, that can't just be one weekend. Uh, we, we need to give it more time and more intention than, than just, just one particular uh, week, week, uh, weekend. And, and there's two reasons for that. Number one, while this is a part of our heritage, it's not been a part of our tradition. So let me tell you what I mean by that. And next month, we'll, we'll enter into the season of Lent, the 40-day season of Lent, uh, which begins with Ash Wednesday. 
And, and if you're a regular around here, you won't have to send a note and say, hey, are we doing anything for Ash Wednesday? Because we always do something for Ash Wednesday. We'll have a service in here, 7 p.m. So don't worry about sending me an email. We do it every single year. We've done it uh, for decades here in our church. We have a lot of people who come for Ash Wednesday. We'll have, a, we'll have a full house because of how meaningful that has been. But that's a, that's a part of the rhythm of our life. And it has been for decades. It's very meaningful. And so you don't have to ask about that. Because uh, that's been a part of our tradition. Th- this, is, this is a part of our heritage, but it's not been a part of the rhythm of our life. And so we wanted to give more time uh, and attention to it. But here's the second reason, is, is that this prayer really runs counter to how we typically think at the, at the beginning of, of the year. This prayer is about being empty, <laughs> And the typical mindset of us that we have at the beginning of the year is about being full. So this, this emphasis is that we, we've entitled it Empty, A Prayer for a New Year. And, and we're inviting our entire church to, to embrace this prayer uh, as the way in which we want to enter into a new year. And so we're going to spend some time uh, looking at that. Now, just to think about the, the tension between, again, how we often enter a new year and what's at the heart of this prayer, uh, let me share with you these words from J.D. Wall. This is his introduction to the Wesley Covenant service. He says this, you may be asking, what does all this have to do with New Year's resolutions? Let me ask you, would you rather resolve once again to try harder to do more, to reach higher, to be better, only to run out of gas again by Valentine's Day? Or would you rather try something different this year? Our resolutions and resolve aren't bad, just futile. What if we started out this year on our knees, reminding one another of the mercy, grace, and faithfulness of God? What if instead of refiring our confidence in ourselves, we renewed our faith in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit? What if we began this year with repentance, realigning our minds and hearts and lives according to the things that matter most? And this is the question that I want us, I want us just to hit, to, to hit a square between the eyes. What if we gave up on reaching for the stars and found ourselves instead bowing down to the ground before the one true and living God. So with that in mind, uh, I'm gonna read to you this prayer. We're gonna read it together. I'm gonna invite you to read it with me in, in just a moment. But because I think you should know what you're committing to, and I think that when we, whatever we pray, we should mean what we say, I'm gonna read it to you first. So, so listen to these words uh, of this historic prayer. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will, rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. So now I want to invite you to go a little bit further back into our heritage. 
And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Uh, You may have heard me say before that chapter 4 is is really Paul's manifesto to the church, what it means to be uh, the body that is sharing life together. And this is how Paul begins his words to them. He says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So let me unpack this, and the way I want to unpack this is uh, we're going to look at it in reverse, uh, from verse 6 to verse 1. And, and I'll encourage you, when you're reading uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, this is, this is often a helpful way to, to understand uh, what, what he's communicating, because he's often building his argument. So if you look at verse 6, what you see is that Paul begins with this idea that there is one God. Now, you may know that Paul was raised as a Jew. Uh, you may know that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And so as a, a good practicing Jew in that particular time, for both of them, there's a prayer that they would have prayed every single day. A prayer known as the Shema. Shema is Hebrew for here. It's the first word of this prayer. It begins, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was the declaration that, w- that was stated at the beginning of every single day. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. In a world that is constantly pursuing and serving all sorts of gods, many gods, we believe in the one true God. There is one God who in Paul's words is father of all, is through all and in all. So we begin with the idea that there is one God. You go back a verse and what we read is that there is one Lord. And you may know, as this may be obvious to you, you may even in your mind use these words interchangeably, you know who Paul is referring to in saying there is one Lord. He's talking about Jesus. So there's the Sunday school answer. If I ask you, who is the Lord? You would say, I think it's Jesus. Yes, you'd be right. That's, that's, it's, it's assumed if, if, you've, if you've read, if you're familiar with the, with the New Testament. But, but Paul does not refer to Jesus by his name. He refers to him by his role. There's one God and there is one Lord. He doesn't refer to him by his name. He refers to him by his role. He is Lord. And as Lord, uh, he has authority, he has power, he has influence, he is master and ruler of of your life. In other words, uh, central to the Christian faith is the idea that, that we can live with an undivided heart, that we can live with a loyalty to only one Lord, Jesus. There's one Lord who is over us, we've given our life to him. And this is a central claim of the Christian faith that there is one Lord. And this is why uh, Paul doesn't refer to him by name. He refers to him by his role because it speaks to how we understand our relationship. Jesus is Lord. 
Lord of our lives. It's to him and to him alone that we owe our loyalty and our devotion and our praise. There is one God, there is one Lord, but if you go back again to verse four, notice there is also one spirit. You receive Christ, you receive Christ's spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit that guides us and directs us in this new life that we have found with him. There's one God, there is one Lord, there is one spirit, and because of the unity of these three, we bear a responsibility, all those who've said yes, who've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, who are seeking to live in faithful relationship, in covenant relationship with God, under the Lordship of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit that lives in us, we bear a responsibility, which we find if we go back again one more verse. Uh, our responsibility is to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because there is one spirit, one spirit that has been received by all who have received Christ, we bear the responsibility of protecting, guarding, defending the unity of the spirit, the gift that the spirit has given to the church to defend the unity of, uh, of the church. And we do that by, go back to verse two, by being completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. And we do all this so that with the recognition that we, like Paul, are prisoners for the Lord. We, like Paul, are prisoners for the Lord. We are called to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. In other words, my life is no longer my life. My life does not belong to me. And for anyone who said yes, for anyone who has given themselves to living this life, your life doesn't belong to you either. Which means that life, I'm sorry if this is disappointing, is no longer about your personal enjoyment. Your life is no longer about the realization of the fulfillment of your own hopes or your own dreams. Your life is not about your own needs or your own desires. Your life is not about your own agenda. It's not about your own happiness. It's not even about your own overall satisfaction. In the Christian life, you cannot answer the question, who am I, without knowing the answer to the question, whose am I? Because your life is no longer your life. It doesn't belong to you. It's not about your own personal enjoyment or satisfaction or happiness. Uh, this, this is one of those messages that, uh, that when Jesus shared it, I mean, just the crowds continued to grow, right? Your life is not about your life. That's, that's, that's a joke. Didn't work. We'll keep going. Listen now, Paul expresses it uh, to, to the church at Philippi. He, he says it this way, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. What he expresses there in that portion of his letter to the church at Philippi is that everything that came before is now garbage compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ as Lord of my life. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. 
My life belongs to him. It's his understanding of what Jesus himself says, these challenging words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Again, my life is no longer my life. It does not belong to me. It belongs to the one who gave me life. It belongs to the one who is Lord of my life. It belongs to the spirit in in whom I find life, the source of my life. So again, hear this question. What if we gave up on reaching for the stars and found ourselves bowing down to the ground before the one true and living God. This is the ground floor of the Christian faith. This is the foundation on which the life of faith must be built. And this idea is at the heart of this prayer, that I am no longer my own. I belong to you. And so I will be full or I will be empty. I will have all things or I will have nothing. I will be employed by, uh, for thee, used for whatever you want or, or I'll, I'll be laid aside. I wholeheartedly yield what I want to your pleasure, to your disposal because my life is not my life. My life is your life and in a world that is chasing after many other gods where a life of constantly divided loyalties is the norm in our culture and the overarching message which is consistently reinforced is that the purpose of your life is for you to get what you want out of life to pursue whatever it is you believe will somehow make your life full, what better way to begin the year than with the prayer that is all about being empty. It's all about laying down and letting go and saying, I'm willing to be full. I'm willing to be empty. I'm willing to have all things. I'm willing to have nothing because my life is not my life. My life belongs to you. So again, what if, what if we gave up on reaching for the stars? What if the beginning of this year wasn't an opportunity for you to double down in your own, on your own self-confidence, but instead to embrace your humanity and express to God, acknowledge to God your need? What if it was about bowing down before God and saying, God, my life is yours. Whatever it is it will be, whatever it is you, you desire for me, I, I will embrace. Because I am no longer mine. I am yours. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. I want to live a life that is worthy of the calling that I have, re- I have received. I, w- I want to serve one God. I want to live my life uh, uh, under the lordship of, of one person, under the lordship of Jesus. I want to live a life that is grounded in the life of of the spirit that that brings new life into me each and every day. And so over the course of these weeks, we're we're going to be praying this prayer together. We're going to invite you to pray the prayer together. 
We're going to do that in just a moment. I want to make sure you hear, though, that this is an invitation. You don't have to say these words. It's okay if you, if you don't want to. If you do, say them because they are the expressions of your heart. Say them out of your understanding that, that this is the ground floor. This is the foundation of, of the Christian faith. Though we live in a world that says it's all about you, we, we embrace something wholly different. That it's all about glory and honor to God. And what better way for us to pray that prayer and to begin this year than to come to this place to receive Holy Communion, to be reminded of all that we have been given. And we're going to begin this weekend, this emphasis, this journey, this prayer, by coming to the altar and receiving communion. And we're going to end this in five weeks by again coming to the altar and receiving communion. Instead of reaching to the stars, bowing down to the ground. So with that, if you're willing, the words will be on the screen. I would invite you to join me in this prayer. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.